are listening to The Road to Terror. Terrorism and violent extremism are on the rise in the United States. Here, we offer history and education to stem the growing movement and bring an end to the violence and fear. It's The Road to Terror. And it starts now. Hello, and welcome back. My name is Michael, I'm the host, and in this episode we are going to run through some of the definitions for domestic terrorism and violent extremism, and we finish out the topic with theories behind radicalization, and we will try to dip our toes into some history of domestic terrorism and extremism within the United States. This episode is a revisit of episodes 1 and 2, and as such will contain mostly the same information. This episode's goals are to enhance the audio quality as well as expand on the topic with some more information uh, with the inclusion of stochastic terrorism. To reiterate, this episode will contain almost word for word the same content as episodes 1 and 2 except for the addition of a section on stochastic terrorism. So let's tackle the disclaimer, uh, touch on the references, and we will get to it. The information provided in this podcast should be viewed as the opinion of myself. While I make every attempt to be accurate with the details that are discussed, I can and will be wrong at times. This podcast does not endorse any of the ideologies discussed and opposes any and all acts of violence. So, for references... Uh, we have several to the Cornell Law uh, for U.S. codes, such as U.S. Code 22, 18, and 6. Next up is a social developmental model of radicals- radicalization, a system... Oh, having a hard time speaking. A sy- a, oh, here we go. A systematic integration of existing theories and empirical research by uh, Andreas Bielman from the International Journal of Conflict and Violence. Following is a 2019 Al Jazeera article titled Investigators Probe Jersey City Attack as Domestic Terrorism. Next, we have an article from the Washington Post titled Tucker Carlson's Toxic Replacement Rhetoric Gets Picked Up in the House. We also have a congressional testimony from the United States Institute of Peace titled The Causes and Consequences of Violent Extremism and the Role of Foreign Assistance. After that, we have an article titled Steve King asks if white society is is superior to non-white, also saying I don't have an answer for that uh, from Newsweek. We also have uh, an article by Intelligence Brief titled Major Causes of Radicalization and Violent Extremism. Additionally, we have the Department of Defense Joint Publication 3-02.2. We also use the FBI's online site for terrorism, which provided information about the categories of terrorism used by the FBI and other agencies. Next up is a Business Insider article titled, Tucker Carlson peddled a white supremacist conspiracy theory while attacking Biden over the Haitian migrant crisis. 
We also have ourselves an article from Fox News titled El Paso shooting leaves 20 dead, 26 injured, investigators probing potential nexus to hate crime. Uh, we have an article titled What Causes Radicalization? Uh, Main Lines of Consensus in Recent Research uh, by Radicalization Research. Additional to that, we have a paper titled The Staircase to Terrorism. Uh, a few more to go here. So continuing, we have a Fox News article titled Jersey City Shooter Published Anti-Semitic Posts Online Report Claims. Officials say kosher market, kosher market targeted. We also have an article titled What an Analysis of 377 Americans Arrested or Charged in the Capitol Insurrection Tells Us uh, by the Washington Post. Next is a Fortune article titled I Am Simply a Nationalist. Uh, Rep. Steve King responds to backlash over white supremacy remarks. We also have ourselves an article on, uh, on psychology today titled The Psychology of Extremism. Uh, next is an article titled The Role of Violent Conspiratorial Narratives and Violent and Nonviolent Extreme Right Manifestos Online by Global Network on Extremism and Technology. Uh, nearly at the end here, we have a paper from the Terrorism Research Initiative titled Stochastic Terrorism, a Linguistic and Psychological Analysis. Uh, lastly, we have a document from the United Nations Development Program titled Root Causes of Radicalization in Europe and the Commonwealth of Independent States. To start, we're going to divide this up into two sections. First, we're going to define terrorism, extremism, and other terms. And second, we're going to go through a tiny bit of the history of extremism and terrorism in the United States. So some agencies in the government have slightly differing definitions for things. Uh, so what we can do is we can go through them quickly-ish, uh, then bring it back to a more general, generalized definition uh, before going into, deep, uh, into some history. So first up is the FBI, who says domestic terrorism is violent, criminal acts committed by individuals and or groups to further ideological goals stemming from domestic influences such as those of a political, religious, social, racial, or environmental nature. These acts can be activities involving... Uh, these acts can be activities involving acts dangerous to human life that are a violation of the criminal law of the United States or appearing to be intended to intimidate or coerce a civilian population, influence the policy of government by intimidation or coercion, or affect the conduct of government by mass destruction, assassination, kidnapping, and occurring primarily within the jurisdiction of the United States. The Department of Homeland Security has a slightly differing definition uh, but overall, it's the same. So DHS says terrorism is, quote, any activity that involves an act that is, dangerous to, that is dangerous to human life or potentially destructive of critical infrastructure or key resources and is a violation of the criminal laws of the United States or of any state or other subdivision of the United States 
and appears to be intended to intimidate or coerce a civilian population. To influence the policy of a government by intimidation or coercion, or to affect the conduct of a government by mass destruction, assassination, or kidnapping, end quote. The Department of Defense defines it as the unlawful use of violence or threat of violence to instill fear and coerce governments or societies. Terrorism is often motivated by religious, political, or other ideological beliefs and committed in the pursuit of goals that are usually political. Uh, the Department of Defense also breaks down the threat of terrorism into four levels, low, moderate, significant, and high. Uh, low threat level means no group is detected or the group activity is non-threatening. Moderate is terrorists are present, but there are no indication of anti-U.S. activity. The operating environment favors the host nation uh, or the United States. Significant means anti-U.S. terrorists are present and attack personnel as their preferred method of operation, or a group uses large casualty-producing attacks as their preferred method but has limited operational activity. The operating environment is neutral. And lastly, high threat is anti-U.S. terrorists are, uh, are operationally active and use large casualty-producing attacks as a preferred method of operation. Uh, there is a substantial DOD presence, and the operating environment favors the terrorist. It should be noted that these threat levels don't tell us about when an attack may occur. The Federal Emergency Management Agency's definition doesn't, requ doesn't require an act to be politically motivated to fall under the definition of terrorism. It goes to say that terrorism is the use of force or violence uh, against persons or property in violation of the criminal law of the United States for purposes of intimidation, coercion, or ransom. Terrorists often use threats to create fear among the public try to convince uh, citizens that their government is powerless to prevent terrorism and get immediate publicity for their causes. We also have the Terrorism Risk Insurance Act, Section 1021-Alpha, that defines terrorism as, quote, a violent act or an act that is dangerous to human life, property, or infrastructure uh, to have resulted in damage within the United States or outside of the United States in case of uh, an air carrier or vessel described in paragraph 5, bravo. Or two, uh, the premises the, yeah, the premises of, the United, of a United States mission. Jeez, I got myself all mixed up there. And uh, lastly, uh, to have been committed by an individual or individuals <clears throat> as part of an effort to coerce the civilian population of the United States, or to influence the policy or affect the conduct of the United States government by coercion. End quote. It goes further to say that no act will be certified as an act of terrorism if the act is committed as part of the course of a war declared by Congress and that losses don't exceed $5 million. And before we bring up uh, one of the final definitions for the United States, I do want to step sideways to look at a 12-point consensus definition from Rutledge's uh, Handbook of Terrorism Research. 
One, terrorism refers, on the one hand, to a doctrine about the presumed effectiveness of a special form or tactic of fear-generating, coercive, political violence, and, on the other hand, to a conspiratorial practice of calculated, demonstrative, uh, direct violent action without legal or moral restraints, targeting many civilians and non-combatants, performed for its propagandistic and psychological effects on various audiences and conflict parties. Two, terrorism as a tactic is employed in three main contexts. Uh, one is illegal state repression, two, propagandist, uh, propagandist, I cannot say that word, propagandistic uh, agitation by non-state actors in times of peace or outside zones of conflict, and three, as an illicit tactic of irregular warfare employed by state and non-state actors. Uh, three, the physical violence or threat thereof employed by terrorist actors involves single-phase acts of lethal violence, such as bombings and armed assaults. Dual-phased life-threatening incidents like kidnapping, hijacking, and other forms of hostage-taking for coercive bargaining as well as multi-phase sequences of actions, such as disappearances involving kidnapping, secret detention, torture, and murder. Four, the public or publicized uh, terrorist victimization initiates threat-based communication processes whereby, on the one hand, conditional demands are made to individuals, groups, governments, societies, or sections thereof, and on the other hand, the support of specific constituencies uh, based on ties of ethnicity, religion, political affiliations, and the like is sought by the terrorist perpetrators. Five, at the origin of terrorism stands terror, instilled fear, dread, panic, and mere anxiety spread amongst those identifying or sharing similarities with the direct victims generated by some of the modalities of the terrorist act, its shocking brutality, lack of discrimination, dramatic or symbolic quality and disregard of the rules of warfare and the rules of punishment. Six, the main direct victims of terrorist attacks are in general not any armed forces, but are usually civilians non-combatants, or other innocent and defenseless persons who bear no direct responsibilities for the conflict that gave rise to the act of terrorism. 7. The direct victims are not the ultimate target, as in classical assassination where victim and target coincide, but serve as message generators, more or less unwittingly helped by the news value of mass media to reach various audiences and conflict parties that identify with either with the victim's plight or the terrorist's professed cause. Eight, source, sources of terrorist violence can be individual perpetrators, small groups, diffuse transnational networks, as well as state actors or state-sponsored clandestine agents, such as death squads and hit teams. Nine, while showing similarities with methods employed by organized crime, as well as those found in war crimes, terrorist uh, violence is predominantly politically usu political, usually in its motivation 
uh, but nearly always in its societal repercussions. 10. The immediate intent of acts of terrorism is to terrorize, intimidate, antagonize, disorientate, destabilize, coerce, compel, demoralize, or provoke a target population or conflict party in the hopes of achieving from the resulting insecurity a favorable power outcome. For example, obtaining publicity, extorting ransom money, submission to terrorist demands, and or mobilizing uh, or immobilizing uh, sectors of the public. 11. The motivations to engage in terrorism cover a broad range, including redress for alleged grievances, personal or vicarious revenge, collective punishment, revolution, national liberation, and the promotion of diverse ideological, political, social, national, or religious causes and objectives. 12. Acts of terrorism rarely stand alone but form a part of a campaign of violence which alone can, due to the serial character of acts of violence and threats of more to come, create a pervasive climate of fear that enables the, ter the terrorists to manipulate the political process. Now, bringing us back, one of the final definitions uh, we are going to take a gander at is the Patriot Act, <clears throat> which defined it as activities that involve acts dangerous to human life that are a violation of the criminal law of the United States or of any state, appear to be intended to intimidate or coerce the civilian population, to influence the policy of a government by intimidation or coercion, or to affect the conduct of a government by mass destruction, assassination, kidnapping, and occur primarily within the territorial jurisdiction of the United States. So now that we have all these different agencies kind of covered with different definitions, um, we can talk about what the U.S. Code's versions say. So, like, you know, we got U.S. Code Title 22, Chapter 38 states, quote, premeditated, politically motivated violence perpetrated against noncombatant targets by subnational groups or clandestine agents uh, as the definition of terrorism. Uh, furthermore, the United States breaks down terrorism and extremism into several categories. The first category is racially or ethnically motivated violent extremism. Uh, this type encompasses the potentially unlawful use or threat of force or violence and furtherance of ideological agendas derived from bias, often related to race or race or ethnicity, held by the actor against others or a given population group. Racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists purport to use both political and religious justifications to support their racially or ethnically based ideological objectives and criminal activities. The next category is anti-government or anti-authority violent extremism. This type encompasses the potentially unlawful use uh, or threat of force or, or violence in furtherance of ideological agendas derived from anti-government or anti-authority sentiment, including opposition to perceived economic, social, or racial hierarchies, or perceived government overreach, negligence, or illegitimacy. Our third extremism type is animal rights 
and environmental violent extremism. This type encompasses the political, uh, the politically, the potentially unlawful use uh, or threat of force or violence and furtherance of ideological agendas by those seeking to end or mitigate perceived cruelty, harm, or exploitation of animals and or the perceived exploitation or destruction of natural resources and the environment. Next up is abortion-related violent extremism. They encompass the potentially unlawful use or threat of force or violence in furtherance of ideological agendas relating to abortion, including individuals who advocate for violence in support of either pro-life or pro-choice beliefs. And finally, all other domestic terrorism threats. This final group encompasses threats involving the potentially unlawful use or threat of force or violence in furtherance of ideological agendas, which are not otherwise defined under or primarily motivated by one of the other domestic terrorism threat categories. Such agendas could flow from, but are not limited to, a combination of personal grievances and beliefs, uh, including those described in the other domestic terrorism threat categories. Some actors in this category may also carry bias related to religion, gender, or sexual orientation. Whew. So with us having talked about what terrorism is, uh, can we take a small pause to talk about stochastic terrorism? So what is stochastic terrorism? Uh, stochastic terrorism has been defined as the incitement of a violent act through public demonization. Demonization? Demonization? Demonization. Stochastic terrorism has been defined as the incitement of a violent act through public demonization of a group or individual. Thinking of it in a different way, it means acts of violence by random extremists who are triggered by nonsense pouring out of another person's mouth, like Donald Trump, for example. It's used to describe a pattern that generally can't be predicted precisely but can be analyzed through statistics. So these acts are not able to be predicted or forecasted, but you can show the likelihood of an act occurring increasing due to the rhetoric of a public official or figure. The term itself doesn't have a foundation uh, or legal definition in US law. So it remains an, ac an academic endeavor by researchers uh, and not a legal one. The term was originally coined by Gordon Wu, a mathematician and catastrophist, uh, generally speaking, that's a risk analyst, who thought up the term to describe the relationship between seemingly random acts of violence and the goal of perpetrating fear through mass media's coverage of that violence. He thought that uh, the pace of violent attacks could have been driven to an extent by the way news coverage of them was shown. The term would evolve a bit more by a blogger called G2Geek, who modified it to describe it as incitement of violence uh, through mass communication, a speak-first, violence-after approach. Uh, this term was adopted for use by the sources that, have gathered this in that I have gathered this information from, and as such, we are going to adopt it for our use here as well. So, quoting a paper titled Stochastic Terrorism, a Linguistic and Psychological Analysis from the Terrorism Research Initiative. Quote, how does stochastic terrorism unfold in the course of real-world events? 
we propose a practical def uh, description of stochastic terrorism as an interactive process between the originator of a message, its amplifiers, and one or more ultimate receivers. A charismatic public figure or perhaps an organization lobs, a, lobs hostile rhetoric against a targeted outgroup or individual into the public discourse to further some political or social objective. An unrelated consumer of the rhetoric absorbs and reacts with anger, contempt, or disgust, often mirroring the speaker's emotional state and adding his own fear and anxiety to that cocktail of negative emotionality. The fear and anxiety may be intentionally provoked by the speaker to substantiate the need for his leadership and enforce the feeling that some growing harm posed by the outgroup will personally impact the speaker's in-group, which is portrayed as both special and persecuted. The speaker's rhetoric may range from bombastic declarations that the target is a threat by some measure, to jokes about uh, violent solutions, or to the shared problem posed by the target, always stopping short of requesting or directing an attack for reasons of plausible deniability. Social and news uh, mass media outlets are exploited to spread and amplify the message, Gradual degradation and dehumanization of the target may occur through escalation of verbal attacks on the target's personal virtues, combined with repetition and saturation of the overall message. Once he reaches his personal tipping point, a consumer of the rhetoric, unknown to the speaker, mounts an attack against the targeted outgroup or individual. In the aftermath, the speaker condemns the violence generally or specifically, or asserts his or her pro-law and order stance, or denies anyone could have seen the violent incident coming, or all three, all of which have the effect of inoculating the speaker against subsequent blame, even if the assertions themselves are unconvincing. While these acts may define specific predictability, like any act of targeted violence, their likelihood is greatly increased by the public demonization process described above. The speaker puts out a call, knowing that someone may answer that call even if there is no way to predict who or when someone will pick up the veiled message. The intent of the speaker to cause such violence may range from unwitting naivety, in the sense of an accidental sin, uh, to full knowledge and hope that such violence will happen, the risk magnified by his or her public speech. The exact motivation, however, is often untraceable. End quote. Whew. So now that we have a whole bunch of the definitions and all that jazz out of the way, uh, one thing I'd like to talk a bit more about before hitting up recent events and some causes, uh, things of that nature, are going to be the causes of radicalization and extremism. Uh, there are some who would like to believe that the road to terrorism and extremism is black and white. Uh, it's, it's not. Uh, there are a myriad of factors that play into whether a person will become an extremist. One of the most dominant factors are the driving forces of political and ideological views. Ideological causes have been one of the eternal drivers of extremism across the world. For example, the most devastating terrorist attack in the United States was 9-11, driven by religious and political extremism. Social relationships can also lead people down a path of radicalization towards an extreme ideology, 
you are more prone to trust someone in your social circle, uh, making it easier for groups to radicalize together. Your social and economic statuses can be other factors in whether you are prone to become radicalized, but it is not, al it is not always necessarily the case. Quoting the United Nations Development Program, when discussing the root causes of radicalization, the style du jour is the point to permissive factors that help establish an environment that is conducive to radicalization processes. The most commonly viewed attributing factor that creates an enabling environment arises from the feeling of relative deprivation. Relative deprivation is the idea put forth by Ted Gore that ten the tension that develops from the discrepancy between the ought and the is disposes men to violence. Uh, one ramification of that is that the greater the intensity and scope of relative deprivation, the greater magnitude of collective violence. Another implication of this theory uh, as applied to radicalization is that the traditional focus on absolute poverty will not be fully capable of countering radicalization. In a crude sense, those who are born and raised in an environment of poverty will not have as great of expectations for their futures as those who are middle class and educated who have great expectations for their future that are then frustrated by a lack of employment, political or, or social possibilities that they have been led to expect as their right. Uh, this can be seen in research on Islamic radicalization that has been that has found that many Islamic radicals are not economically dispossessed, uh, are often better educated than their peers, and quite a few went to university, and many of them are engineers. Similar to relative deprivation is the concept of structural violence. Structural violence, uh, sometimes known as social injustice, is an indirect form of violence that causes harm, yet there is no specific actor that performs the violence. Uh, this violence caused by cultural constructs can deprive people of their basic needs. Basic needs encompass more than just food, shelter, and water. Identity, culture, uh, cultural values, sorry, uh, and recognition are just a few of the basic needs of which a lack of can potentially lead to violence. Uh, the frustration caused by being denied an identity by the larger society can lead to religious and ethnic conflicts, among others. Violence in the home, group discrimination, lack of social diversity, personalities that favor authoritarianism, and social and anti sorry and antisocial issues are also factors that can be influential. Uh, the factors are numerous, and we will be better able to put them into focus as we discuss topics going forward. Whew. Uh, that was just a bit to take in. Uh, so now that we got all the information on the table, let's find ourselves a quick quite uh, quick criteria for terrorism that we can use here on the podcast uh, before we hit up some recent events. The Global Terrorism Database, maintained by the University of Maryland, uses a set of criteria for determining if an act should be classified as terrorism. First, an act must be an intentional act of violence or threat of violence by a non-state actor. 
Second, it must meet two of the three following criteria. One, the violent act was aimed at attaining a political, economic, religious, or social goal. Two, the violent act included evidence of an intention to coerce, intimidate, or convey some other message to a larger audience or audiences other than the immediate victims. And three, the violent act was outside the precepts of international humanitarian law. Using this set of criteria, it should allow us a good deal of data to pull from for prior events and allow us to discuss ongoing and future events. So now we have a good definition for the future uh, and we have a general idea of the ways terrorism is defined in the United States on the federal level. Let's dip our toes into some history of domestic terrorism. So, between the years 2000 and 2020, according to the National Consortium for the Study of Terrorism and Responses to Terrorism, using a database containing 50 years of incidents, there were, there were over 800 violent acts of extremism committed by individuals within the United States. Other recent incidents include the January 6th insurrection, the Buffalo shooting fueled by white supremacy in May, and other tragedies. So let's go a few years back into 1995 to one of the deadliest domestic terror attacks in the United States history. On April 19th of 1995, Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols would use a vehicle-borne improvised explosive device comprised of 40,000 pounds of ANFO to kill 168 people and injure more than 600 others. The blast would also destroy or damage over 300 buildings, shatter glass, and nearly destroy 100 vehicles, uh, totaling over $650 million in damages. He had timed his attacks to coincide with the anniversary of the fire that ended the siege of the, Davi the Branch Davidian. Uh, the FBI would end up conducting over 28,000 interviews, collecting roughly 6,000 pounds of evidence and billions of pieces of evidence. The bombers were tried and convicted in 1997, and McVeigh would be executed by lethal injection on June 11, 2001. Nichols was, sen was sentenced to life in prison in 2004. Moving forward several years to 2019, on December 10th, two members from the black supremacist group, the Black Hebrew Israelites, killed four people and injured three others. The New Jersey Attorney General later stated that the evidence would suggest that the incident was an act of hate and terrorism fueled by anti-law enforcement and anti-Semitism beliefs. In what was described as a chance encounter, a police detective meeting with an informant would come across the suspect uh, who were in a stolen U-Haul linked to a murder just days prior. The suspects killed the officer and then proceeded to a kosher grocer store about a mile away in Greensville, uh, where they would kill three others. Gunfire was exchanged between the suspects and the police for three hours before they were killed. Spicing things up, you may have heard of something called the Inconvenient Truth. If that name doesn't ring a bell, you may have heard the name Patrick 
Crucius floating around the news. Patrick was the gunman of the 2019 El Paso shooting that killed 23 people and injured 23 others. This sack of crap wrote the manifesto titled The Inconvenient Truth. He thought that immigrants were being shuffled into the country by Democrats to allow a one-party rule and making whites the minorities. The manifesto promotes a conspiracy theory called the Great Replacement, uh, white nationalist and far-right. And besides being a far-right white nationalist conspiracy theory, what is the Great Replacement? Well, it says that with the cooperation or complicity of the elite class or by the actions of the deep state, the population and culture are being replaced by non-American peoples. This conspiracy seems to be relatively popular recently with people like Tucker Carlson repeatedly pushing the idea on his broadcasts. Uh, the conspiracy itself has variations that go back to the 19th century sometime, uh, but it became known as the Great Replacement after being published in France in a 2011 book under the same name by author Renaud Camus. It, would, it was not much longer until it hit the United States in 2017 with white supremacists at the Unite the Right rally. It wouldn't hit the news again until 2018 when a Republican congressman endorsed the conspiracy theory, uh, stating, quote, They are somebody else's babies. They've already been raised in the culture of another country. I've said that diversity is not a strength. The left just repeats it again and again, but it's mindless. What does this diversity bring that we don't already have? Mexican food, Chinese food, those things, well, that's fine. But what does it bring that we don't have that is worth the price? We have a lot of diversity within the United States already, end quote. The same congressman would later go on to endorse nationalist and supremacist ideals while claiming to not really understand white, or white nationalism, black nationalism, etc. And then even after the Christchurch and El Paso incidents, uh, many elected officials and news anchors will go on to push this conspiracy theory. People like Scott Perry, Newt Gingrich, Tucker Carlson all have pushed this. This idea was also found to be popular with some of the January 6th insurrectionists. Even more recently, uh, this conspiracy theory was sprinkled all throughout the manifesto of the Buffalo City shooting uh, on May 14th. And bringing us back to where we were before jumping off the cliff uh, to talk about the Great Replacement, the 2019 El Paso shooting gunman is still waiting for trial. It was postponed due to COVID restrictions in 2020, and it may be several years before the case is finally settled. More recently uh, is the Buffalo City shooting that happened at a Topps grocery store on May 14th. Uh, an 18-year-old white man would drive two hours to a neighborhood that was predominantly black to begin a terror attack killing 10 people and injuring three others. This dude is a massive sack of shit. He documented all of his crimes using a Twitch live screen, uh, wrote, copied a 180-ish page manifesto, and had a semi-private-ish Discord server he used as a personal blog about his feelings and ideas 
leading up to the attack. His manifesto would be filled with white supremacist ideology and ideals from the Great Replacement conspiracy theory, memes, and a sort of many frequently asked questions to confuse people about his beliefs, and a section deal uh, and, a, and a section detailing his equipment and strategies. He blamed boredom from the pandemic, put him on the path to find people like the Christchurch shooter who he said was the one person who really radicalized him. And that just about concludes our episode today. So we've talked about what terrorism is, uh, the dozen or so various definitions according to the different agencies and laws. We've also covered stochastic terrorism today, a new addition to the original content of the episodes. Uh, learning how the words of a leader might be used to incite violence against a perceived enemy. And then we closed out the topic of the day with a brief look at some history of violent acts that have happened here in the United States, like Timothy McVeigh. And with all of that, that concludes this episode. If anybody has any questions, concerns, corrections, or ideas for future topics, you can send me an email or you can go up to the website for the podcast, roadtoterror.com, and I will get those. So thank you all for listening, and I will talk at you next time.